Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back, queens. We have Sasha Wolf on today. She's the founder of Still I Run, Runners for Mental Health Awareness. Still I Run is a community of warriors promoting the benefits of running for mental health. was founded in 2016 after Sasha discovered the benefits of running after a brief hospitalization for depression and anxiety. Still I Run began as a Facebook page and website and has evolved into a nonprofit with over 13,000 people in the community. When she isn't working on growing Still I Run, Sasha works as full-time as a global communications professional for a furniture manufacturer in Michigan. She's raising her two young daughters with her husband, Greg. In her spare time, she runs for her mental health, enjoys Lake Michigan, and spends time with her family and friends. Welcome, Sasha. Hello. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited <laughs> to chat about this. I mean, again, what an important time to be chatting about mental health in this world. So we're going to get into that a little bit, but would love to, first of all, hear more of your story and how the experience of struggling with mental health led you to starting this organization. What was it about running that helped you? Yeah, when I was hospitalized for depression and anxiety, it will be 10 years this year. (laughs) That's how long ago it was. And when I was hospitalized, you know, we learned how to look at our medication and manage it, make sure that something we're always, you know, being mindful of, the importance of therapy, and then kind of developing a healthy habit or lifestyle. And I had run on and off before, but nothing super serious. Like I had a really cheap pair of shoes and I did it for funsies with friends. Uh And when I got home from the hospital, I just decided to put my my shoes on and and go for a walk with my dog. And I felt, I mean, I didn't feel magically better, but I felt triumphant that I was able to get outside and do something. Uh And then there's obviously like the, the brain chemical components of exercising. And so I kind of just started pairing mental health with running and, and started feeling better the longer I went. And that's kind of how it started, just this very personal connection of the two and how it was helping me in addition to medication and therapy. Mm-hmm. I have this vision of her like going out and just kind of one foot at a time mm-hmm. being like, okay, uh, I feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us, how do you think Still I Run has been helping during times of COVID? As interesting as when gyms shut down, uh-huh. the only thing you really could do, you know, socially distant was be outside. And so I noticed in our area, like all of a sudden people came out of the woodwork and were sure. walking and riding bikes and running. So what did you see during COVID? Yeah, definitely saw an uptick in people posting on our Facebook page and or getting involved with it. The interesting thing with Still I Run in general is I'm here in Michigan, 
and people all around the country are part of the group. And I would occasionally have people ask, like, how does that work? How do you have a virtual running group? Isn't it? Shouldn't you be all getting together and running together? So I had a couple of people kind of doubt the whole virtual aspect and then the world shut down and we all went virtual. Um, so <laughs> you know, did they know? <laughs> yeah. So it's been really interesting seeing people using all these virtual tools we have now have available, like Zoom calls, social media, text apps to kind of connect with one another about running for mental health and, and getting tips from one another and introducing new runners into the fold because there's a lot of new first-time runners that, you know, found us through a Google search or a Facebook search and even said so, like, hey, I, I want to start getting into running since I can't go to the gym anymore. So, yeah, I think Still I Run was just kind of uniquely primed to be a good choice and outlet for for people looking for something when there were no other options like gym classes available. Mm-hmm. Love that. So you're running the Still I Run. You're also working. You're a mom. How can I ask you how this year has been for you? And again, like figuring out how to cope and I'm sure running again has been an important part of that. How has the year been for you? Yeah. And also to add to that list, I am also pregnant too. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) and pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. Pandemic, sure. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it obviously has been hard. I mean, I'm suffering from anxiety and depression. Like, I'm everything feels really heightened right now. Mm -hmm. Kind of the, the being stuck at home and immediately my mind goes into dark places. But I think luckily therapy has been super helpful throughout this whole entire process because she's reminded me that I get to spend extra time with my kids Mm -hmm. during my pregnancy. I get to be at home (laughs) and working instead of in an office trying to stuff myself in very uncomfortable maternity clothes. Very true. So kind of reconfiguring my thinking to think more about the positives of this and also running. My husband is fantastic with letting me get out and run and we're still running together and we'll put the two little ones we have right now in their stroller and get out as a family. And so I, I really credit actually my, my mental t- health toolkit with, with helping me get through all of this and, and taking the time that I need to run and go to therapy and also, you know, look at my medication during this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. When are you due? End of summer, September okay. 2, but my babies always come early, so I'm saying <laughs> August. Yeah, yeah, good for you. You know by now. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Where we would say we don't want to be pregnant during the heat of the summer, in your case, you're probably like don't want to be pregnant in the the winter in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I did <laughs> warn my husband, though. I was like, just set aside some extra money for AC bills, because if I need the AC cranked up this <laughs> oh. summer, we're doing it. Uh, <laughs> Mommy yeah. ain't happy. Nobody ain't happy. <laughs> pregnant mama. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm going off a little bit because I've, I work with, you know, pregnant women during this time. And it's been so interesting because I'm seeing my clients online and I only see them from the shoulders up. And then they stand up. I'm <laughs> like, oh, that's right. You're like six months pregnant. And so many women have been saying like, yes, so many people have not seen me pregnant. It's such a weird experience. I know this being your your third is probably a little different, but have you been having that experience, like such a different experience as a pregnant woman? 
Yeah, absolutely. What's really funny is that literally, we literally just told every family member because we were kind of doing it slowly since I mm-hmm. wasn't rushed to do it. We literally just told my husband's dad like last weekend and I'm 17 weeks along. Yeah. Um, because anyone I see is just from the shoulders up. Sure. But it, it's really been nice because yeah, I guess with the other two, you do feel pressured to say something right away. Like, yeah, it's not a burrito I ate. It's actually a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I really like it, but I can, I feel like if you're a first time mom going through this, you're yeah. not getting all the firsts of people going, oh, like, can I touch the baby? Or like, let me see your bump or let's have a party. Mm-hmm. But as a third time mom, I'm kind of digging it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> get safe in that house. Nobody's talking about how your body looks yeah yeah (laughs) trying to touch your stuff that was not prepared for that in the grocery store like oh whoa whoa your hands are on me like that's definitely not happening this year so yeah I I love it (laughs) uh well Sasha we're still having a hard time talking about mental health in general so what is it about mental health that we're still finding and the stigma around discussing it and getting help yeah I think the stigma is just so incredibly baked into society that it's a really hard one to combat. I just came across a stat from a couple of years ago. It was a Canadian research study done on Disney movies. And it said 85% of references to mental health in Disney movies are usually in a derogative or violent or demeaning way. So like 85%, and this is starting with our children. And granted that stat's a couple of years old, and hopefully Disney has changed their tune a little. But if it's starting so young, it makes the stigma so much harder to defeat. And it's super frustrating to me. I feel like things have gotten a little better with us adults just because we are talking about it more, especially with the pandemic. A lot of people are saying we're, we're entering into this mental health pandemic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think and I hope that is making people more cognizant that this is something that is normal. It's like diabetes. It's like heart disease. So let's talk about it and treat it as such. Right. It's an organ like anything else. That's interesting. You know, I compare like Disney versus Pixar and like, oh, what's the movie where they go through the emotions? Help me. Uh, um, with uh, all the emotions, the uh, Inside Out. Inside Out. Yeah. Yes. And then like Inside Out. Finding mm-hmm. Nemo and mm-hmm. then the sister one to that where they talk about like autism and Dory and mm-hmm. oh. oh they do oh, okay Royce the right. wizard behind the curtain said that there's some shorts that are based on mental health with Disney so maybe they're trying to combat that you know mm-hmm. by being able to use uh, our voices so I don't know if it's because you can't dissect the brain study the brain like you can an organ i don't know what it's going to take for people to understand that it can have malfunctions like a heart like a lung well i think that's part of the stigma right we should have control over this brain and i you know yeah that it's an organ just like anything else but again i think that belief of like i should be able to control it and therefore if i have control i should be happy all the time right right and if i don't i'm I'm weak right and i don't want to talk about weakness Right. Or taught that these emotions are bad. Sometimes anxiety is serving a purpose. We just have to know when it's crossed over to not serving us anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes, so. absolutely. Do you think, I know, again, I know you're not a mental health professional, but I'm sure you've been hearing it too. Again, the impact of 
COVID and then the mental health trauma from that. Do you do you think that we are going to see an uptick on some of these issues? Absolutely. And I, I wish it wasn't so because I feel like our healthcare system is woefully underprepared for mental health as it is mm-hmm. um, yeah. or mental health issues. But I, I am not surprised. I mean, a lot of my coworkers, ones that have never had coworkers and friends that have never had mental health issues before, they're all experiencing higher levels of depression and anxiety. And it, it's a little scary knowing that that's what is coming next. But I, I hope that, you know, more mental health advocates like you guys and, and Still I Run and other groups out there are, are ready for it and continue to practice, practice and preach the benefits of mental health awareness. And, and hopefully the government and the health industry will, will listen to us and we'll be more prepared for what's coming down the road. Well, as a mental health professional, I think those like community resources when we have access to them in a certain way is like you can't see your therapist every day or possibly Mm -hmm. maybe even other every week you don't have access to them and that is like what do you do in the meantime what are community resources that can actually be as beneficial as an individual session from time to time that is just ingrained in your life that that can be helpful and I think those resources are going to have to be more available as more therapists are just there full too right right? and you brought it it's funny you brought up the whole virtual thing so i don't have a source to cite on this and i usually try to but i think they said at the height of the pandemic alcohol sales had Mm -hmm. in certain areas raised by 600 percent 600 divorce rate has tripled yeah um, yep. I know eating disorder admissions to higher level of care has gone up by 37%. And I think that would be higher if there wasn't such a huge wait list. And you add to that, like AA, for example, Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. they had to close their doors during the pandemic because of social distancing. So mm-hmm. those that had their community resources were unable to at that time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really making us think about like, God, how can we have more well-rounded resources to meet these people and where your specialists are going to be full to the max because we weren't expecting this increase. So we need more community advocates like like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing, and we we always preach that running is not therapy. It is mm-hmm. a form of therapy and it can be used as a tool because medication and, and therapy are, are the ways to go. But we have a scholarship we launched back January of 2020, and it's called the Starting Line Scholarship. And it, mm. the goal of it is to help anyone overcome any barriers they may have when it comes to wanting to run for mental health. So, like, some of those barriers include not knowing where to start, needing an accountability partner, even finances, like, really good shoes, shoes that are going to be comfortable yeah. and, mm-hmm. and help you in your journey. They're not cheap. Mm-hmm. So the scholarship that we have, it takes care of all of those barriers. We have, we'll outfit the person with running shoes, their first running outfit, even a sports bra if they need it. We pair them up with a Still I Run certified coach and then entry into their very first 5K or 10K and then Still I Run swag and also a mentor. <laughs> so the whole goal is to help this person kind of get into the habit of running for mental health. And, and get them to the starting line of their very first race or take them through eight to 10 weeks of training and hopefully help them on this lifelong journey of running for mental health. And I really hope resources like that can help 
you know, kind of fill the, the gap a little bit until we get more mental health resources, like professional ones out there in terms of medication and therapy. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we'll make Mm -hmm. sure that we have all these links in our show notes so Mm -hmm. they can learn how they can get involved and learn more about the program. It sounds like you have a multitude of different ways they can participate and have some guidance and support, not only with community, but also structured guidance on starting running as well. Because we also know that on the flip side, sometimes exercise can take on a disordered relationship with mm-hmm. the mental health. So it's nice to have somebody that kind of checks and balances. Accountability, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what other things do you have going on at Still I Run or anything coming up? Can you tell us a little bit more about programs? So that is our biggest one. Mm-hmm. We also have an ambassador program where we open that up at the end of every year. Um, and then in, in June, we're going to be launching our national run chapter program. It was something we were supposed to launch last year, but sure. COVID stopped that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the idea is that anyone who wants to start up a, a chapter, a still I run chapter in their hometown, we will help them with all the tools that they need. We've got a handbook, we've got like handouts for them. We've got like a team captain shirt and swag for their, their run chapter. So we're really excited about that because it takes that virtual aspect of the still I run community and it brings it right to yours. And then another program we have, and it's, it's a really simple program and it's one I really like. It's called the run right fight program. So anyone that is feeling like they need a letter of encouragement or they want to send a letter of encouragement to someone anonymously, they can submit a request to us. And then I will take that to my volunteer team of writers and they'll take like actual pen, the actual still I run stationery and put a letter in the mail for you. Um, it, it, it's just, it's a simple concept, but we've had very many, we've had a lot of people receive these letters in the mail and then they'll put them up on their fridge or they'll tack them up on a home office bulletin board just because it's a reminder that someone took time out of their day to write them a note. And wow. it's, it's very much a you matter type of thing. And like real um, human contact, yeah. right? Like yeah. a letter. I love letters. <laughs> right? Like not love letters. I like those too. But like I love getting letters and cards in the mail. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's something about getting a piece of mail that, you know, someone took time out of their day to send to you. And I'm like, I need to bring that back somehow. Yes. So that's that's kind of like, like, you know. It's kind of like Kara and the paper book. Mm-hmm. She's all about no more reading books online. No, I'm all about the paper, paper book. books. Uh-huh. Oh. I am too. What a cool um, concept. Yeah. Yeah, we we absolutely love that one. And then obviously, like I said, there's the, the starting line scholarship. But we... We also do a couple of events throughout the year. So in May, we've got our mental health world. No, what is it? It is the mental health awareness run streak. Mm -hmm. So every day for the month of May, we encourage people to run or walk if they need to, which is totally fine. Every day in the month of May for mental health awareness. And it's, it's a great challenge to remind yourself to get out every day and move. And it's also a great way to bring awareness to mental health. And then we also have World Mental Health Day 5K in October, which is also virtual. And then on January 1, we always do a uh, Breaking Stigma and Stride 5K Hmm. with ultra running. So, yeah, those are just a few ways like anyone can get involved. It doesn't matter where in the U.S. you are. Very cool. 
Well, Sasha, again, this is a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. And uh, thank you so much for the work you're doing. I am sure it's going to get busier out there for all of us. So we appreciate it. And again, at the end of every interview, we like to ask how you live out the fit philosophy of how have you been balancing performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self as now a soon-to-be mama of three. Uh, yeah. Growing, <laughs> growing a baby. Growing a baby. Yes, that is not hard or not easy. Um, <laughs> sometimes pregnancy brain really gets to me. Oh, I, I hear you. I don't fog. think it goes away. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, it has not gone it's away. It's just motherhood brain. <laughs> so for balancing all of those things, I don't know. Does it sound really corny to just say my mental health toolkit? Uh, because mm-mm. I'm just so deeply aware of what is going on in my body and outside of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the medication and therapy really helps me to take that time out for myself and, and also to be in touch with my mental and physical health. The, the running can absolutely be a part of the performance piece of, of the fit philosophy. And then the intellect part, I guess, you know, taking time out for yourself really just recharges your brain. And that is definitely something needed with this mom brain these Mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Complete fog. (laughs) (laughs) I call it COVID amnesia. Like what happened this past year? I never know know. what day it is. (laughs) Or like, yeah, what time of year? The whole year has just been a blur. So the time has no concept right now. <laughs> right. Well, Sasha, we wish you luck on this third pregnancy journey yeah. and then all that you're doing. Again, we're going to give links that everybody can access what Still I Run is doing. And again, Lots of cool stuff. Yeah. Thank you for being on today. Yeah. Thanks for having me and letting me chat about running and mental health. Mm-hmm. We love it. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Bye, queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at FitForQueen. And Hashtag fit for a queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.